Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. But first, let's have a look at the main international business stories in the newspapers and websites uh, with the exalted company of Russ Mould from AJ Bell. Good morning, Russ. Morning, Joe. Flattery will get you everywhere. Um, how was Storm Isha for you? It was still pelting down here in Brighton when I woke up at half past five. It stopped now and it feels as if it's finally calming down. But um, the trains are looked between Brighton and London are currently all either delayed or cancelled. So I may end up, against my will, working from home today. Ah, well, a lot of people like working from home. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you gain or lose a trampoline from your back garden? Oh, I haven't checked yet, actually. I've, hopefully I've nailed the barbecue in the kitchen and the, the, the table down, so I'll go and check when it's light. Indeed, I, lo- I love that, <laughs> the way some people gain an, or lose. <laughs> but, mm. Anyway, speaking of wind, there's an ill wind blowing about the Chinese economy these days. The population is shrinking and the economy is deflating. Yeah, and this matters because it's the world's second biggest economy behind America. So if China slows down, then we may feel a bit of a, bit of a slowdown in the West as well. I mean, although GDP grew 5% last year, that was at the bottom end of the government's target range. And in dollar terms, the economy actually shrank because the Chinese currency lost value against the American dollar. As you say, it's got a big debt problem. It's got a demographic problem in that the population's now shrinking as a legacy, the one-child policy. A property bubble has burst. And so the Chinese government is now looking to try and keep the economy ticking along, but without, at the same time, stoking another stock market bubble or another property bubble, which is part of what's got itself in this problem in the first place. Mm. Youth unemployment's running at over a fifth. And if you're looking at for a, a really crude benchmark for how the Chinese economy is doing, we'll look at the stock market. It peaked at nearly 6,000 in 2007. It's below 3,000 today. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the Hang Seng, which is the Hong Kong index of shares. Oh. It's, it has fallen below 15,000, the same level it was at when China reassumed control from Britain in 1997. Things aren't great there. Um, And of course, the world has become dependent on China. It's not as if uh, the Chinese economy can be just ignored. It cannot. No, it cannot. It's the world's second biggest economy. It's been a huge source of of exports, particularly for economies like, say, Germany. It's also been a a very important supplier of key products, key technologies, and frankly, just cheap goods. Mm. Now, we do have the trade war, the trade tariff dispute between America and China. So some of China's economic woes will be down to that because America's intentionally cutting off Chinese supply, but it is a big part of the global economy. And yet there is a there is a theory going around that if China's economy slows right down, it won't start to export inflation, it will start to export disinflation or even deflation. And that might put a cap on prices, but we don't want to see deflation because the world's debts are so big and they get higher in real terms if prices start going down and we can't afford that. That's what's crippled Japan for the last 30 odd years. Absolutely. Amazingly, ironically, Japan is coming out of it now. Its, uh, it's, it's stock market is roughly back where it was in 1990 uh, for the first time. Um, meanwhile, Americans, are they getting upbeat or not? There's kind of a bifurcation in mood <laughs> yeah. in America. On paper, America is doing very well, thank you very much. But the sentiment is not great. Now, this is the University of Michigan Consumer Confidence Survey. It came out on Friday, and the Wall Street Journal trumpets the biggest jump in that score in, in a two-month span since 1991, nearly a 30% increase to suggest that actually Americans feel pretty good about the world. The opposite view is, yeah, there's been a big bounce, but it's still miles below the peak in 2008 or even pre-COVID in 2020, and a big reason for that 
the American Consumer Price Index has gone up by 22% in five years. So because of inflation, Americans have lost a fifth of their purchasing power of the dollars in their pockets. And that's probably one reason why President Joe Biden's ratings are through the floorboards and Donald Trump's fancying his chances in November's election. Because although Americans, in, in theory, the American economy is buzzing along quite well, there has been a, a, a cost there in inflation, and that does knock a very tear a very big hole in people's pockets, as we know, in fact, to our cost over here in the, in the UK and Ireland as well. We absolutely do, and inflation really does matter. And the Sunday Times has a story about who will take over at the Daily Telegraph, the conservative um, newspaper. Yeah, I mean, this has been put up for sale reluctantly by the Barclay family. They've had legal wars, still an ongoing dispute over unpaid divorce money. They've ended up ceding control uh, and then getting it back, albeit with a loan from a firm called Redbird IMI. That's partly backed by a former CNN boss, Jeff Zucker, but mainly backed by Sheikh Mansour, perhaps best known over here as the owner of Manchester City Football Club, but he's also the vice president of United Arab Emirates. So they're on the verge of doing a, a, a debt equity swap to take control of the Telegraph from the Barclay family. Now, there's a report coming into the British regulator Ofcom on Friday, from the British regulator Ofcom on Friday to Culture Secretary Lucy Fraser, as to whether this takeover can, can, can go ahead. Some would say the Conservative government's going to wave it through because it wants to be seen as open for business, despite introducing the National Security Investment Act in 2021. Others are saying it shouldn't be allowed to go ahead. There are press freedom considerations here, given that Sheikh Mansour comes from the UAE, and many people do question uh, how human rights and press freedoms are treated in that in the Emirates. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's it's a really interesting one. Who uh, politically, whoever gets control of it, and move on to the Financial Times. Uh, they're saying that there's been a, a rush to buy bonds. Yeah, I mean, they, they, this is many investors looking to get yield on their cash. And if you buy a bond, you're effectively loaning money to a government, or in this case, a company. You get regular interest payments at the same size at the same time. And hopefully when all goes well, the loan or the bond is repaid at the end. Uh, and because a lot of investors are thinking that the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, the US Federal Reserve are going to start cutting interest rates this year, possibly as soon as late spring, they're, going to, they're looking to lock in the yield that they can get. Companies are looking to borrow quite aggressively because at the moment, the, the premium that they pay over the so-called risk-free rate or the, the Federal Reserve benchmark is at a 10-year low. So you can borrowers will be thinking they're getting a decent deal. They're not paying too high an interest rate. Buyers think they're getting a decent deal because they're getting a decent rate, better than or a higher interest rate than they think they're going to get towards the end of the year. There's also the argument that companies actually took out a lot of loans during COVID. They're now beginning to expire. They're needing to refinance. It may be a matter of necessity as well as choice. But for the moment, plenty of willing buyers to match willing sellers. Now, this week, um, a lot of the big central banks, especially for us, the ECB, mm-hmm. uh, will be yes. meeting. Um, and I suspect nearly all of them will be sitting on their hands this week, won't they? Yeah, there's nothing they expected, Joe. And interestingly, where, where there had been major activity expected by the markets at the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England, where there was a thought they might cut as early as March, those expectations are being pushed back slightly now, Bank of England, maybe to May, June. But I'm sure that European Central Bank President Mademoiselle Christine Lagarde She'll be putting a marker down for when she thinks rates may be able to come down. The key to it, does European inflation come back towards the 2% target that the ECB's got for itself? It did re-accelerate a bit in December. But so far, Mademoiselle Lagarde is saying sometime in the summer, if all goes according to plan. 
Hmm. And now I'm sure she won't want to be called Mademoiselle uh, instead of Madame. Oh, like Madame, a, I should say. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I do. <clears throat> Though she might be delighted if you if you slash you pleased, thirty or forty actually, yeah. years off her uh, age. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, in, e- ECB rates. Um, everyone expects a major movement in the second half of this year, but yeah. only a few think that it will happen in Q2, as in between April, May, and June. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that, I think if you've been asking me this question a month ago, then people may have been feeling a bit braver and going for March, just because the Fed were expected to go then, and the Bank of England were expected to go then. So there was, you know, probably a bit of a domino effect. But those expectations have been pushed back as inflation just has proved that bit stickier than expected. And I think central banks are very aware of what happened in the 1970s when the Federal Reserve under Arthur Burns, the Bank of England, which was then just run by the Chancellor of the Exchequer, um, they cut interest rates too early because they thought inflation was back in its box. They were wrong. And you actually ended up with three waves of inflation, almost progressively higher peaks and progressively higher peaks in interest rates. Now, there were other things going on, like oil price shocks and goodness knows what else. But that is a model that central banks are very aware of, and it's a mistake. They will be keen to avoid this time, even if they won't want to take too much of a risk and push economies into recession, particularly when we have big elections in the US this year, and in fact, big parliamentary elections in Europe as well. well actually, that's a very good point. But also, central banks don't want to appearing to be slashing interest rates, which might benefit the incumbent. So there might be a political hot potato for the Fed as well this year. It's a very difficult balancing act. The Fed is apolitical. That said, I'm sure it didn't enjoy being kicked around by Donald Trump in the later stages of his presidency mm. and nor would it want to be seen to be presiding over over a recession going into an election year either. So it does have a very difficult balancing act indeed yeah. and this may be why you know, they're proceeding with, with caution at the moment. Ross, thank you so much as ever. Um, I get back to uh, your Brighton house uh, and not going into work. That's Ross Mould there from AJ Bell. Back- Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.